Greetings to those who watch below. Now not everybody works during the daylight hours. Some people have to work the night shift, which can be a very creepy time indeed. To prove this, we're going to take a look at five truly creepy night shift tales. Why I hate wearing name tags. I work in retail and I have a very unique name. This happened a few years ago when I first started. I work at a 24 hour convenience store and at this point I'm working the graveyard shift. I'm used to all types of unsavoury folks but there was this one guy who left me particularly unsettled. It was about 3am and unfortunately I was working alone because my co-worker decided to call out last minute. The store was dead and I was packing out a delivery when he walked in. He was a short, stocky black guy, a little older than me, probably in his late 20s or early 30s. I looked up from the task at hand and greeted him with a friendly smile and asked him if he needed any help with anything. He grinned and looked me up and down, his brown eyes darkening with lust. Yeah, do you sell condoms? I nodded and pointed him to the health and beauty section and proceeded to make my way to the register to cash him out. He browses for a little, and typically he picked up a box of magnums and those herbal sexual supplement pills. So, how are you tonight? He inquired. I told him I was fine, working hard, and anxious to go home. His eyes travelled up and down my body, settling on my name tag, which is pinned just beneath my left breast. I felt a little uncomfortable. I've never been comfortable with people staring at me, and his eyes lingered longer than necessary. He asked how to pronounce my name. I tell him. He says it's nice. Politely, I say thank you, and begin to scan and bag his items, trying to avoid eye contact. He asks, do I have a boyfriend? And truthfully, I say yes. He comments that he must be a lucky man, and he wishes he could be in his shoes. Again, I smile uncomfortably, and as we're supposed to do, ask if he needs anything else. Not unless I can have you, he drawled lazily. Now I'm getting annoyed. I ignore his comment and proceed to tell him his total. He swipes his card and I complete the transaction and tell him to have a good night. He thanks me and then asks if I'm working by myself. No, my co-worker is downstairs doing some paperwork, I lied. Now he grins. No, he isn't. I've been watching you since 12, and I haven't seen another person here in all this time. Are you afraid? I frowned. You've been watching me? That's not creepy at all. I tell him he needs to leave if he's done shopping. I have work to complete. Once again, he laughs at me. I thought he was going to argue, but a group of drunken guys walk in, and he leaves. Later that night, I check my Facebook and see I have a friend request. Guess who it's from? Again, I have a unique name, like only two people on Facebook have it. I block and delete the friend request. Next morning, as I'm going to the subway station, the wanted poster on the token booth catches my eye. The face is familiar. It was the creep from my store. Wanted for a sexual assault and battery on East 96th Street. The incident happened more than a month ago. I hurriedly told my manager, 
who called the police and gave him our tip. Now I don't know if he was ever caught, but please, let's not meet outside my store, and I still don't feel comfortable with name tags. Butcher Knife Guy on Graveyard Shift This happened to me two years ago. It was my first month on the job, and I was working night security at this pretty interesting place. For the record, I still work there, and have more strange stories possibly to tell in the future. I'm a 38-year-old male, I've worked security jobs most of my life, and the graveyard shift. I was an event security guard for various well-known concert venues over the years, so I've seen my fair share of strange things and crazy people. In other words, I don't scare easily, and hardly ever go into a panic mode when a crisis comes up. The place I currently work is a resort-style apartment complex. To get the layout, there are three floors of apartments, with 50 units on each floor. This place takes up one city block, with a golf course in back, indoor swimming pools, hot tubs, and a small movie theatre. You name it, this place has it. Most of the residents are retired doctors, lawyers, and the otherwise rich. There are some younger people that live here as well, stockbrokers and real estate agents and so on. Some just use their apartments in the summer and leave as soon as the snow falls. It is located in a well-known tourist town in the United States. The building itself has 12 exits on the first floor. The doors are locked at 11pm. You can exit, but you can't get back in unless you go to the front of the building and ask to be buzzed in, or pick up the call box phone next to whatever exit you're at. It'll ring the company's cell phone, and I answer and can come let you in. The front lobby is set up much like a hotel, with sliding glass doors which I lock when I first start my shift. In the middle of the building on first floor are two big slider doors which I also lock. They lead to the private parking lot. The parking lot itself is gated and you need a code to get in. This was midsummer, and while it's never really hot here, tonight was an exception. It was still very warm after the sun had set. I came in 10 minutes to 11 to start my shift. We have a routine to hand off the keys, event log, and phone to the next person on duty. Despite my size, I'm the only security person here at night. My co-worker who was leaving told me the side iron gates that led to the parking lot are open on one side because they are stuck. This is nothing new, and they often do get jammed. She told me the repair people would be in tomorrow sometime to fix them, but just to do some extra patrols out there tonight. This place sits across the road from a public park, and while the area is pretty decent, the park tends to breed druggies and homeless at night, who sometimes like to try and wander on the property or cause trouble. The night started out as uneventful. As a security guard in this place, we only have pepper spray, a large flashlight, keys, and a company cell phone to call 911 if need be. We are told not to confront with bodily harm, nor can we detain anyone. We are simply eyes and ears, and to call the police if something comes up. Of course, you can defend yourself if you need to, but in all cases if you are in danger, calling the police is the company policy. Basically, I am to walk the grounds and floors for anyone suspicious, watch the cameras in the security office, which is in the lobby, and otherwise try to stay alert. If a resident calls down for a maintenance request, 
I'd take the information down in the computer for day shift, or if a resident called with a security issue, I would attend to it. Pretty easy enough job, I thought. I locked the doors to the parking lot and the lobby doors. I did a sweep of all the floors, and then found myself back at the desk. It was really quiet, and it rolled round to 3am. I just sat down to eat my lunch when the company's cell phone rang. The caller ID let me know it was from one of our outside call boxes. I picked up and said, thank you for calling. This is Security Officer James. How can I help you? All I heard was someone breathing heavily. I glanced at the cameras and could see the shadow of a figure standing just out of reach from the door and camera view. All I could see is the open call box and the metal cord from the phone. I again asked, how can I help? The man started to breathe heavier and laugh. Then, silence. It was one of those laughs you hear in a movie when the lunatic is about to do something terrible. I got up from my chair and started to walk out of the office and to the door he was at when it rang again. This time from call box number two, which was further down. I quickly looked at the camera and saw this large figure in a hooded jacket. I knew this was strange as it was very warm outside. He was holding a black bag in his hands, but had his back to the camera. I'm coming for you, and you're gonna die, this voice said in a raspy deep tone. He hung up before I had the chance to say anything. Then, the phone rang again. This time, I picked up, and before he could speak, I let him know the cops are on their way, and to leave the property now, as he is on camera. He tried the doors, and both were locked. This time, he was at yet another call box. This guy had to be running at top speed to make it to the next and the next call box, as they were a good distance between the doors on the outside. I can see you. Are you ready to die? The cops won't make it here in time, the guy said. I spoke loud and pretended like I was talking to another security officer and asked him to send three other security guards to such and such location and the police are dispatched. The guy slammed the phone down loud against the call box receiver and I watched him on camera take off into the darkness to the park area. I figured it scared him off. I was going to call the police, but honestly, the location of this place, it would take them at least 15 minutes to get here and I figured this guy was just some tweaker from the park. I scanned the cameras and walked the back lot just to be sure no one was there. I had my pepper spray in my hands, just in case, but nobody was out there. I returned to my desk and wrote what happened in the instant log. About half an hour passed and I'd finished my lunch, and was just about to do rounds when the phone rang again. This time, it was from an unknown number. I thought it would be a resident calling for a repair issue or something. I picked it up and said my normal line. Where are the cops? I don't see them, but I see you, the voice said. Fuck, it was that guy again. I scanned the cameras and didn't see anything. I went to the front door to look out, and there was nothing but darkness and a few front floodlights on. I know you're alone, and you're gonna die soon, he said. I basically told him to get fucked and hung up. I called the non-emergency number to 911 and let them know what was going on. The dispatcher said she would send out a car to check the area and make contact with me. 
Next thing I hear is a loud thud against the glass windows to the day manager's office, which sits across from the security room. Another three loud bangs. I run to the door and unlock it. I pull up the shades and shine my flashlight through the window into the darkness. I catch the face of this hooded man. He looked to be about 40, with long stringy hair poking down and these wild eyes. He looked right at me and grinned before slamming his head into the window to try to break it. I started yelling at him and told him the cops are coming and to get the fuck out of here. That's when he pulled the biggest damn butcher knife I've ever seen and made a slicing motion like he would use it to cut my throat. This guy was crazy and probably on drugs. He continued slamming his body against the glass, trying to break it. He used his head to try to break the window, but just managed to bust his head open. So the window now has blood all over it. I backed out of the office and locked the door to it. I then decided to wait for cops, as this guy was out of control, and my pepper spray wasn't going to stop him, and the last thing I wanted was to handle a bloody crazy person. He then ran to the nearest side door and took the call box phone off the hook. He then ran to each call box and removed all the phones, which caused my company's cell phone to ring and jam up the line. This guy had to be on meth or something, because he ran as fast as I could imagine. I watched the camera and noticed to my horror the sliding door to the garage was open. Now, it was common for residents to go out to their cars and unlock the door themselves. It's just a sliding lock like the kind in department stores, but this is the last thing I need with this nut job running around. I sprinted across the building and took a shortcut through a couple of banquet rooms to make it to the garage. As I was doing so, I saw that crazy guy running up the garage pathway. I slid that door as fast as I could and locked it before he got to the entryway. He then slammed his body into the glass, over and over, but the door didn't move. I locked the second set of doors. In case he got through the outside ones, he would at least be trapped or slowed down. I reached for my pepper spray, thinking maybe he would just leave and yell the cops are here. He started to laugh and howl and then held that knife up before running into the darkness of the parking garages. I called the cops on my personal cell phone to let them know the man has a knife. The dispatcher told me the cops will be there shortly and I let her know what happened. I made my way to the front again and locked myself in the security office. At least this place had no windows and I could watch on camera. I heard another loud thud and bang and realised he was at the front lobby doors trying to get in. I was hoping the cops would roll up any minute but they didn't, and while it probably didn't take long, it felt like forever at this point. The guy was standing at the lobby doors with the knife in hand. He faced the camera, and by this time his hood had fallen back. He was bald-headed, with wild, long, stringy, crazy hair on the sides of his head. His eyes were huge, and I'll never forget that grin on his face, as he mouthed to the camera, Die. Die while making stabbing motions with that knife, blood running across his face from slamming into the glass. He then ran out into the darkness. About five minutes later, the cops show up. They sent one officer. He asked me what the guy looked like 
and I told him I have camera footage. He drove through the area first and shined a spotlight. The cop returned to tell me he couldn't find anyone, and he had driven around the entire block and back area behind the golf course. I showed him the footage and printed out a picture from the camera. The cop said he didn't see any sign of the guy, and to call back if he came again. It was now nearly 5am when the cop left. I waited until 6, when it was daylight, and people were starting to get out and about, before I walked around and hung up all the phones from the call boxes. This guy literally took all 12 phones off the hook. When my manager came in during the morning shift at 8, I told her what happened, and she said they would keep an eye out and have a meeting to let everyone who worked here know and to be aware. They had an extra security guard on my shift for two weeks, but the guy never returned. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Had a run-in with a threatening suicidal man. This story takes place during the summer of 2015, so quite a while ago, while I'm on my shift as an overnight security guard for a small business that I no longer work for. Basically, what I did was drive around an area of around 10 miles to several different businesses that hire us to do patrols, maintenance, alarm checks, all that good stuff, depending on the wants and needs of each individual business. The job paid decently, and I didn't have to deal with supervisors and other co-workers, so it was great alone time to look forward to. The first business I would go to that specific night is located in a somewhat remote region just outside of town. Behind it, about 200 feet or so, are some train tracks, and across them is a very small hill that leads up to a small residential area. This specific business didn't ask for much other than alarm checks on its doors, so I was never there that long. I was about finished up there that night, when I noticed a young man walking up toward the train tracks. Thinking nothing of it, I finished what I was doing and get back in my vehicle to do one drive around before heading out. As I was about to leave, I looked out of my passenger side window and saw the guy was still walking up toward the train tracks, but this time he was pretty much there. Curious, I decided to drive towards him and see what he was up to. I watched him for a few seconds when he suddenly stopped. At this point, I didn't know what to think. Maybe he was taking a break, or dropped something. I don't know. It wasn't until he didn't move for about a minute that I began to think that something wasn't right. I hurriedly drove up to see what was up. Once I got to about 50 feet or so away from the tracks, I got out of my vehicle and yelled out to him if he was alright, but he didn't respond. He just stood there, looking down at the tracks. A few seconds later, he suddenly turned round and looked at me. I continued to stand there and yell out to him, but he still didn't respond. I then put two and two together 
and was worried that he may be suicidal. I yelled out and asked if he was, and he finally answered me. In a low, emotionless voice, he said that he was. It was then on instinct that I decided I had to reach out for help. I asked if he wanted help, but he refused, saying that nobody could help him. I walked away from him, got out my phone, and called 911. I'd just got done talking to the dispatcher, who told me they would send someone to my location. When I turned around to see the guy slowly walking towards me, I watched as he reached into his pocket and slowly revealed a pocket knife, and after a couple of seconds, he flipped up the blade. At the time, I had no training for dealing with suicidal people, nor have I had any self-defense training, so I didn't know exactly how to respond, but I decided to take a passive approach. As he got closer, his expression didn't change, nor his speed. He looked like a robot walking towards me. I backed away a bit and tried to talk to him. I asked him what he was doing, but he didn't respond, not even moving a single muscle in his face. Remaining calm, I then asked why he wanted to kill himself and if I could help. He finally spoke and said no, and once again stated that no one could help him in the same low, monotonous voice from before. He then said that he just wanted to die and didn't want anyone to get in his way, not even me. After a few seconds of him walking and me backing up, he stopped, looked in the distance to my right and then back at me, before turning around and walking back towards the tracks, this time at a faster pace. I turned to where he was looking and saw a car in the distance driving towards our location. As he got nearer, I saw the lights on top of it. It was a cop, finally. I looked toward the train tracks and saw the guy walking across them. I pointed in his direction at the cop who was now very close to me. He drove past me and up toward the tracks. I watched as he got out of his car, shined his flashlight up toward the tracks, and began to jog up to them while yelling at who I assume was the guy, while the other officer got out and signaled for me to come up to her. I told her that I was a security guard and was on patrol when I encountered him, and about how he was suicidal and that he was armed with a blade, and at one point approached me with unknown intent. She wrote all this down and spoke over her radio the details I gave. After a couple of minutes we both watched as the male cop came back across the tracks, but this time not alone. The young man was with him, being led back towards us but now he was handcuffed and still had a non-existent expression on his face, as if nothing was happening. After he was placed in the back seat of the cruiser, not looking at me a single time, the officers and I talked about what had happened, and they told me that he would be placed under a psychiatric hold and thanked me for reaching out to them before finally leaving. Once they were gone and out of sight, I gave a strong exhale and began to walk back to my vehicle all the while feeling relieved that not only was I alright, but the young man was too, and hopefully is now doing a lot better. This is the reason I will never work an overnight shift again. 
This happened back in 2010. I was working in a hotel in a suburban area. Nice place. When I first started there, I was both a PT front desk clerk and PT night auditor. For those of you not in hospitality, I closed the shift out on the computers on the overnight shift. I'd just been promoted to a day job and had a week left at the front desk before I switched to my Monday through Friday gig and it was just like any other night. At about 3am, I received a phone call. The guy sounded about my age, mid-twenties, and attempted to strike up a conversation with me. I have to give my name when answering the phone, so he gets my name of course, and starts asking me personal questions, like, do you have a boyfriend? Would you want to go out for a drink? Which were harmless. But nevertheless, I tell him I'm hanging up, as I had a job to do. He wouldn't give me a name, instead he said, why don't you call me John? I hang up and finish my shift. The next night, at about 3.30am, I receive another phone call from John. He started off with asking me out for a drink again, to which I declined and hung up the phone. He called me back about five times that night, each time getting more lewd in his comments and just trying to keep me talking. He ended his last call with the phrase, I see you like singing karaoke. I love doing that. Let's go out together sometime. Shit, I think. He found me on Twitter. I'd just gone out a few nights prior with my friends and posted about it. I asked him how he got my full name and he wouldn't tell me. I hung up again and he was done for that night. I deleted my Twitter and Foursquare pages and when my boss came in at 7am, I told him what had been going on. We told my GM and my security guard put it into his report. I only worked two overnights a week, luckily, but when I came back the next week, so did he. The phone call started around 3am and lasted for an hour or so, but this time was a little different. John was angry that I had deleted my accounts so he couldn't keep an eye on me and make sure that I wasn't cheating on him. I told him to fuck off and that I'm not answering the phone anymore. My security guard will be taking all of my calls going forward. The phone was quiet for around 10 seconds, and then he screamed, You're going to be with me whether you like it or not. I'm coming for you. And hung up the phone. I, of course, freaked the fuck out and called the police. Luckily, I had my security guard there so I wasn't completely alone. But it must have been a slow night, because it took the cops mere minutes to get there. I called my night supervisor, who left at 11, and he managed to calm me down. One cop was nice enough to stay with me until my shift was done, and with that, I told my boss that even though I had a week left of overnights, I couldn't and wouldn't do it. Thankfully, they understood, and I moved to daytime hours, and they sent an email out to everyone, telling them that anyone who called for me was to be sent directly to the GM. Thankfully, everything stopped after that, Minus a few phone calls the security guy got for about a week. He told the guy that I had quit because of him, and the calls stopped. It still creeps me out though. We think he may have been a former guest at the hotel, but I never found out who it was. The Mall Night Shift Okay, so a little backstory before I tell you one of the crazy experiences of mine 
that happened during my two-year security career from 2013 to 2015. I am a six-foot-seven male from Australia, and like to think that I'm a fairly tough and intimidating guy. But some of the shit that used to go on at that mall I used to work for still gives me goosebumps to this day. So the mall I worked at was very, very large. Probably the largest in my state, I'd say. And all the way up to about 8.30pm, it would still be quite busy. Only around 9.30 would we manage to usher all the stragglers out, and at only about 11 would all of the business owners have left. My job was basically to patrol them all and make sure there was no one sticking around after the doors were closed during the night. We didn't have guns or batons, only a can of mace that was very rarely used. There were multiple occasions where we would find would-be thieves hiding around, trying to break into shops after dark, but they were normally far outnumbered by the four or five of us on shift at a time, and they would usually be intimidated by me or some of the other imposing members of security. This one night, though, shit started getting really weird for me on the night shift. I'd say it was about two o'clock in the morning, and I was standing in the middle of the empty food court eating a sandwich. This was the only part of the mall that had any light at night time, due to the skylight, so it was comfortable to eat there. While I was eating, though, I heard a dull scraping noise from the hallway leading off from the food courts and to some toilets. It sounded like a piece of metal dragging across the floor. I was immediately put on edge and flicked on my torch without a moment of hesitation. I remember creeping down the hallway, flashlight in hand, illuminating a good six or seven metres in front of me. As I got closer and closer to the end of the hall, the noise became louder and louder until I was at the end of the hallway and there were the toilet doors to the left and right of me. I could tell the sound was coming from the female toilets though. I gripped the handle and opened the door a tiny little crack. The noise was now very clear and had me not scared, but confused. I yelled, Oi, who's in there? The noise quickly stopped. I paused a moment, listening hard through the tiny crack of the door, and I swear to fucking God, I could hear breathing. Low, male breathing. I shut the door, still gripping the handle tightly, and flicked on my radio. This is 1-3. I need help in food court bathrooms. I think someone's here. No response. This was really strange, and it put me further on edge. Policy was to always answer the radio, and now I was truly becoming quite alarmed. This is 1-3. Does anyone copy? Still no response. And I remember whispering to myself, what the actual fuck? I again opened the door a tiny crack. Listen, mate, I said, sounding as intimidating as possible. If you don't fucking come out with your hands up, you're going to end up eating your teeth tonight. Do you want that? I sat there at the door, quite honestly terrified at this point, but there was no response. In fact, now there was no noise at all. I yelled into the bathroom. Okay, mate, I'm coming in. If you do anything stupid, it's not my fault you'll never walk again. I tried my hardest to sound scary, but my voice was quivering at this point. This whole situation made no sense at all. Why would someone be in the female bathrooms? What was that metal noise? What the fuck is even happening? I slowly opened the door and scanned my flashlight slowly across the room. All the cubicles were open. 
but other than that, the room was totally empty. I was totally shitting myself about now. I was definitely losing it. I walked into the centre of the bathroom, closing the door behind me. Scared to the core, I let out a faint. This is some horror movie shit, I. Come out. When I heard the long, whining squeak of the door behind me. I span around, basically crying at this point, and shone my torch on a fucking massive man. At least a head taller than me, or so it seemed in my state at the time. He was Caucasian, and at least in his forties with matted grey hair all over his forehead. He was mid-opening the door, but he stopped dead still in the middle of his action. He just looked at me, smiling this guilty fucking smile, like a kid would make when he gets caught stealing biscuits or some shit like that. I'm not gonna lie, I was so scared I froze. He lifted his finger up to his mouth, before swinging the door open all the way and sprinting out with what looked like some type of small metal box in his hand. Turns out, he was just behind the toilet door when I was opening it and I totally missed him. I was so fucking close to him, I didn't even fucking notice him. He could have killed me if he had a knife or something and that thought still haunts me to this day. Later that night, my radio miraculously started working again, and I got right on to telling my co-workers about my story. They collectively went pale when I told them what happened. They all had similar stories, but none of them were as much of a close shave as mine. I worked the night shift for another week after that before I quit. I'm not sticking around in a job like that. I needed help, and for some reason my radio fucked itself. Why? So, weird old guy in the toilets, let's not meet again. Greetings again to those who watch below. I really hope you enjoyed this video today. If you did, please make sure to like, share, comment and subscribe to the channel. And if you're already subscribed, make sure you hit that notification bell. That way you'll know when the latest creepy video hits. If you have a tale that you want telling, please make sure you let me know via my email in the description box below. So, until next time, sleep tight.